Hello, everybody. Welcome to Branding Bud Live, the live stream that's 100% THC, 0% WTF. Every week, we bring business people to talk about the business of cannabis. I'm David Palaszczuk, the founder of the Branding Bud Consulting Group and the author of Branding Bud, the Commercialization of Cannabis, the first book on cannabis branding. And I'm joined by my BCF, best cannabis friend, Adriana Hemans, the Director of Marketing at Green Meadows. Hey, Adriana, how are you today? Hey, I'm great. You probably noticed I have a completely different looking background. That's because I'm literally at Green Meadows in Massachusetts uh, and this is kind of a cool like synergy because we're talking to our guest who is also very familiar with the Massachusetts market uh, and I know we're gonna have a great conversation today so I do see some people who are trickling in and some familiar names which is always a welcome sight so if you are new to the show feel free to say hi drop your name in the chat this is very interactive um, just let us know what you're up to we want to hear from you absolutely I'm expecting you're gonna start talking with a Boston accent very soon. I'm working on it. Okay. Well, I'm super excited about our show today. We've got a number of great things happening. I'm super grateful also, as always, to our sponsor, um, High Hopes. High Hopes is a creative agency that's been in the cannabis industry for 10 years. They focus on branding, marketing, SEO, website development, and they deal with what we deal with every day, all the time. So. I'm super excited that they're our sponsor. I'd also like to take a minute and congratulate them again for winning a Clio Award um, a couple of weeks ago. And if you're interested in them, which I hope you are, please check them out at ivegothigherhopes.com. Uh, again, that's ivegothigherhopes.com. Also, I should say we're super excited. Another thing I'm super excited about is we just recently launched um, two educational courses on cannabis branding. One is the 14 cannabis brand archetypes and the other is creating a meaningful cannabis brand. And we'll be putting up a link to that. We've gotten some really great um, raving reviews over the last few days, so or for last few weeks. So um, please check that out if you can as well. Yeah, and hey to Susan who said, so glad Massachusetts will be on the table today. I'm from there as well, though now I live in Uruguay the first country in the world to legalize 10 years ago. Fun fact. Absolutely. That's cool. We have people from all over the world listening in. And last but not least, what I'm most excited about is Angela Brown is with us. She's the co-founder of Coast Cannabis. And again, as we said, she's located in Boston or rather in Massachusetts. And, um, and we'll be chatting about today's topic, which is cannabis and the race to the bottom, which sounds like such a, a dreaded topic, but uh, we'll we'll share some perspective on that and, and uh, we promise with a positive spin. Some of we'll the find a way to weave in some fun. That's right, that's right. Some of the questions we'll be discussing with Angela are, how have tax laws impacted the overall sustainability of cannabis businesses? What factors have contributed to the volatile nature of supply and demand in the industry? And how brands can maintain uh, quality standards and differentiation while facing the pricing pressure that, that we're all up against. So I'm super excited. Why don't we bring out Angela Brown and, and we'll get started. Hey, Angela. Hey, Angela, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here today. You look lovely. I love your light and bright background, looking very festive. Um, why don't you kick you. us off and tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're passionate about? Oh, perfect. Well, thank you so much. So, as mentioned, I am Angela Brown and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Coast Cannabis. We are the first independent product manufacturer in the state of Massachusetts. 
We are very proud to be woman owned and family operated. Um, we have, uh, we're actually really excited to share that we just recently started some distribution into Rhode Island. So very exciting uh, moment for us. And we uh, focus, our, our brand Coast focuses on using only organic, fair trade, ethically and sustainably sourced and all natural ingredients in our products. Uh, my, my passion, you asked, well, I think right now my, my passion has been and, and will continue to be uh, for safe, quality, and, and most importantly, reliable cannabis. And that's really what got me here today and, and how we're having this conversation. Um, I started as a medical patient in Massachusetts uh, when everything got going around 2014, 2015, and I was very quickly disappointed with what was being offered as a, a new to cannabis consumer, someone who I would say came in a little reluctantly. Um, I had some pretty high standards that I needed met if this was something I was going to adopt into my everyday life and they weren't met. Um, so I turned into my kitchen um, and I started making my own products and I needed to find the, you know, I needed to make those products that met my standards and needs because they weren't at the dispensary at that time. Uh, what really drove me to start doing that was I knew how much cannabis had saved me and had made my life better in so many uh, different ways that I needed to have it in my life. And it also drove me to this thought of why I started kind of making it myself and sharing it. And then that blossomed into what is now Coast Cannabis was that I kept thinking to myself, how many other people can benefit from cannabis? Because I knew, again, I was reluctant coming into it. So I knew there was a stigma. We can't lie. The stigma was real. There's a real reasons why people are choosing to not go the path of cannabis and go the route of pharmaceuticals and other uh, standard medicine, such as I did. So that drive is really where it all started, was this mindset of this can do so much good for so many people these can't be the options we have. Um, and that's what got me, got me here, got me going, got me to quit my, my full-time career that I had and, and really drove me. So I I'd say that's my, my passion. It wasn't always my passion in life. It wasn't until I realized how amazing cannabis was and how magical it was in a sense that, uh, that passion was ignited. And that's the passion I've been, been chasing ever since. That's very cool. You, you know, we'll get to this in a, in a bit. You you mentioned about the quality, um, which also when you're trying to keep a product of high quality in the market, when prices are, are dropping, um, that's also something really difficult to do. Let's um, go to our first slide. We always have a, a level setting slide, which um, which really just lays out some of the things we'll, we'll talk about. I just want to talk about the dramatic title for a moment. You know, the race to the bottom sounds super dramatic or overdramatic. And really the term refers to a situation where companies in an effort to remain competitive engage in a relentless pursuit of cost reductions, often compromising in product quality, labor standards, and other aspects. And the truth is, we've seen this in the industry. Um, you know, overtaxation for sure, the 280E uh, tax um, we'll talk about a little bit later. Exploitation of workers, we've certainly, in particular this year, had a number of stories pop up around, around that. Supply and demand issues, which I think often relate back to um, 
you know, when licenses are granted and, and how do you control the flow of, of supply? You know, high competition scenarios. Everybody thinks the green market is, uh, you, you know, the place to be right now. Um, compromised product quality, we'll talk about that. And, and that's probably, you know, a major issue for you and for those that really uh, continue to uh, produce high quality products. Unethical business practices, which Typically ha isn't isn't unique to our industry, but typically happens when um, when pressures you know come into play, and increased regulatory standards. You know, there's there's probably no more um, there's not more of an industry that's regulated like we're in, um, or at least equally regulated like the one we're in. So I just wanted to you know just kind of take the rough edges around the uh, off around the title of our show today and then we'll we'll jump in and we'll really get down into the to the nitty-gritty so that said um angela would you define the current landscape that we're we're currently in and and you know kind of give us your take on it uh definitely so i mean speaking for here in massachusetts i would say one word we could sum it up would be competitive um, it is, you know, the entire industry is obviously a rapidly evolving market. Um, but in Massachusetts, we are seeing the amount of new brands hit the market weekly. Each and every week, we're really starting to see, or I'd say you're seeing new brands emerge. And, and often these brands that keep emerging in the market. So every time another brand emerges and, and we're all creating, you know, some, I'd say the same category, uh, headers, right? Chocolates, gummies, candies, and then within those differentiating. But there's only so many brands that can truly hit the shelves. Uh, but what you're you're seeing here in Massachusetts is that one company will put out multiple brands that are kind of producing the same product. And the only thing that really sets themselves apart is when they come out for their wholesale debut, they're coming out at 50 cents or a dollar cheaper than what the the lowest price guy in market is, uh, what even if it is th themselves. <laughs> so you're starting to see the race to the bottom start right then and there each and every week. I would say it's almost a little exhausting. Um, the other thing that that you started to touch upon too is the overregulation and the high cost to operate is making it extremely challenging for all operators. And the overcompetitiveness of again, like just putting out a product to put out a product putting out numerous products and almost cannibalizing your own market. All of this is really hurting the industry before we can even get started, right? You know, Massachusetts, our first adult use store opened November 20th, 2018. Also the day we got our provisional license. So extremely meaningful to me, but it hasn't been that long. And we had a shutdown during COVID. So to see where we're at already, when you track us against the Western states, our, our drop has been far, far too fast. It did not need to go as fast as it's gone. And um, that's really led to it become extremely competitive. And it's really hard because you can say quality, you can say these things, and then living up to them, it, it costs money. So the hard part is, is to truly put out a product like we are with organic ingredients, sustainably sourced ingredients. There's a cost to that. And it's very hard when everyone is just making another product to kind of pull the shelf space away from the other person. And Angela, how much is overtaxation contributing to this landscape you're seeing? Well, 280E is huge. It's, it's crushing the industry as a whole. Um, you know, as a manufacturer, we're very 
fortunate, I would say, if we can use that word with 280E in the same sentence, um, that we do get to take, I'd say, the most advantage since, for anyone who doesn't know, 280E does not allow cannabis companies to deduct their normal um, business and marketing costs like a, a traditional business can. So we can only deduct costs that are directly related to creating that cost of goods that we're making. Um, so with that, we're seeing some have an effective tax rate of, you know, 60, 70%. So think about that. If you're giving that much away and in, in, in tax revenue, you know, in, in dollars to the IRS, and then you you have to obviously pay for your staff, you have to pay to make the product, et cetera, and operate. You can survive if you're not making a profit. That's business 101. We can't get away from that. I know profit sometimes seems like a, a four-letter word, but you have to make money to keep the lights on, to keep the jobs going. And with the overtaxation, it's just becoming extremely challenging for companies. And I think the harder part is that we're paying into these tax, um, the, you know, we're paying our taxes at a, a huge share and we don't get the protection. We don't have bankruptcy protection. So that's the other dark cloud that's looming is this race to the bottom continues. Businesses have to close their doors. They have no protection. There's no bankruptcy protection. Therefore, as a group that's selling into these groups that may not be open tomorrow, there's no protection for us to to get that money that's owed to us either. So it's creating a very uh, dark path for the cannabis space right now. And we, we got to get it figured out for sure. So is it is it all self-induced? I mean, you know, as as each company comes on board and, and into market with a lower price, um, how, how does, you know, how does that, you know, in the aggregate sort of affect everybody? If it's all price driven, are there any things that, you know, for example, you said high quality, organic, all natural, um, you know, does branding come into play? Does, do, do those sorts of things start to come into play? Huge, huge. And that's why I, I feel that, you know, talking about the, we're all going to be caught in this race right now. It, it, you know, it's the race to the bottom. It's the race to the future of cannabis. You know, I guess it's a little bit of unknown because we're not there yet to say what what is that that perfect price point. But I do think and I, I do believe that some are going to fare a lot better in this race. And I do believe it is brands like Coast and other other groups that are putting in branding, right? They're building a brand with purpose. They're building a brand out of need, not just the thought that this is the green rush and I'm going to make money because we have to stop promoting that, that that green rush does not exist, or at least I was too late to it. <laughs> but I believe, you know, I do believe that's it's, this is going to be a normal consumer product, normal consumer products that have survived and thrived, have built great branding, have built something that people want to lean into, that people want to wear proudly and say that they consume, that they enjoy. So I think we have to do nothing different. Well, we should follow that path rather um, in cannabis. And I think um, a big thing is making it that when the customer asks, why should I buy this brand, that there's something to tell them and it's going to help the customer resonate with that brand. And therefore, you know, if you have brand loyalty, then you don't always have to compete. You can let those who are rushing to the bottom, who don't have that story, who don't have that purpose, you can let them fight it out at that, that bottom tier of the menu. 
Yeah, this is kind of an interesting puzzle. I'm, and I'm excited to talk more about where we can maybe see a light at the end of the tunnel with collaboration instead of with um, just constantly competing with each other, undercutting each other. Uh, but I wanted to, because I think people are warmed up, I'm seeing a lot of comments, jump into an audience uh, participation. And this, I think, will also help to illustrate a lot of what we're talking about, which is like why the bottom has kind of dropped out or that we don't know where the bottom is yet. Um, and the answer, or not the answer, the question is, in January 2020, the average retail cost of one gram of flour was $14.68. What was the average retail cost in October 2023? So we're talking just about, you know, three years later um, from pre-pandemic to now uh, fall of 2023. So is it A, $12.19 a gram, B, $9.55 a gram, C, $6.06 a gram, or D, $4.45. And feel free to drop your guess in the chat. That's right. Audience, it's your chance to shine. This is, um, I'm, I'm curious to see what the answer is because I think it will be very telling of where, where the industry is. Um, you know, and while the audience is just uh, chiming in here, um, you know, this in some ways reminds me of... Um, you know, the credit card world where where uh, you could do a balance transfer at a lower rate and and therefore people were transferring balances from credit card company to credit card company for the lower rate, which in the end did help the consumer, but did not help the overall credit card industry, you know, because there was a lower amount of receivables. Um, yes. And that typically happens with commodities, right? And, and so I guess... Um, you know, I'm, I question, you know, is is cannabis flower a commodity at this point, as opposed to like, here's a branded um, product that people really enjoy, that people see the difference. It's differentiated in one way, shape or form, um, you know, but it seems from what we're seeing in the industry that it's more of a, a commodity or it's viewed more as a commodity than it is, um, you know, as a branded, uh, differentiated product. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing a lot of guesses popping in, but I just want to add one more thing as you're thinking this through. This is for Massachusetts specifically, not uh, other states. So that might help with your guess. And a shout out to Keith Huffman, one of our one of our friends. Thank you. Yeah, Keith. and Charlene, always good to see a friendly face. And Mina, welcome. Well, should we get to the answer? Absolutely. And before we do, um, oh, we're about oh, to too late. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna ask. Yeah. But anyway, take it away, Adriana. Susan and Charlene, you guys got it right. It was, uh, it's 606 is the average. So over 50% drop. Quite astounding when you think about those market fluctuations and how dramatically they've changed in just three years. So from 1468 in 2020 to 606, $6.06 .06 in October last month, that's, um, as you said, it's more than 50%. So Angela, would you just address that? How does, um, you know, how does a company that sell flour uh, that have seen it drop over 50% in three years, how does somebody stay in business? How do they say, um, I don't, uh, that's tough. And I, I'd say that that's really the challenging part. Um, you know, for our cultivators. And I think, you know, here in mass, again, kind of touching upon is our oversaturation seemed to happen very quickly. And we saw kind of this big push for, um, 
you know, there to be a lot of excess flour in the market. So you immediately saw kind of the undercut first. So for the numbers to be the numbers, unfortunately, they are true and they they don't look like they're going back up. I would say how you remain, what we're starting to see with a lot of cultivators is branding their own goods if they can. Um, the other part is we're starting to see some collaborations start to happen. So you're starting to see um, cultivators partner with a retailer or a brand like ours to get their name out there in a different manner. And what about consumer preferences? Like, have you, has that contributed, do you think, to what we've seen, like those trends? You know, I would say with consumer preferences right now, we can't ignore the elephant in the room, which is the economy, right? So obviously we have customers that are looking for, you know, what is the best bang for my buck right now? Um, in Massachusetts, as Adriana knows firsthand running for marketing here, we can't do discounts and sales and all of those things that consumers deserve. Um, but, you know, there are some unique ways that groups are trying to get around so we can still give customers, you know, some of those situations to save. But I think, you know, what I really feel is driving this whole race to the bottom, the topic we're talking about is oversaturation of subpar brands in a market um, and the need for those companies to produce a positive balance sheet for their investors. I really don't think it's the customer coming in. Every cu I'm a customer. I always want a better deal, right? I'm a haggler through and through. I feel like you should always ask for a better deal if you can. But I don't think it's the customer coming in every single day, every single week they're putting in an order, asking for a dollar off a unit, a dollar off a unit because they're getting it from someone else. So it's the key things we're hearing where, of course, the customer's looking for something. But I think the hard part is, is with everyone racing to the bottom, well, there may be a customer that wants, they're on a limited budget. I have X amount of dollars. What can I get with this money? There are also a shopper who walks in with enough money to say, I want something that fits my needs and wants. And that's what I really feel is the challenging part in a market where everyone is coming out and just saying, I can, it, I, I made a joke the other day. It reminded me of that. Like I can name that song in five, you know, I can name that song in four. I can name the song in three. Well, eventually there's no notes and eventually there's no dollars and you don't exist. So I think we have to remember that as an industry. And that's why I, I don't, I think a lot of it is we have far too many people who got into cannabis because they wanted to make a lot of money. We have these massive conglomerates and I really think that they are kind of messing up and hurting the industry. And I, I feel it's time for a lot of them to go because I think when we talk about building something that's sustainable, that's going to see beyond next year, next two years, it's not going to follow the path that we've seen because the path is proving, if anyone's been watching Canada, especially recently, it's not working. These big businesses aren't working. Yeah. And we're seeing a lot of like with the investment community, I guess you could call them like speculators. Uh, a lot of money came in in 2021, people who maybe were not familiar with the industry thinking that those trends we were seeing in 2020 would just continue forever. And now they're like, I need to get my money back. So how am I gonna do it? I'm gonna squeeze the consumer, um, which is obviously not a healthy way to think about an emerging market that still has to get on its feet. <laughs> exactly, it's really challenging. So, you know, Angela, is there, 
is there a way to educate the consumer? You know, is is that the next best step? Is that where we where we go from here? Definitely. And we're seeing that, um, you know, right now in Massachusetts, we are seeing customers choose, you know, our 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 product is not the the cheapest wholesale product. Our product is not obviously retail for the cheapest. We're definitely, I would say, fall higher um, compared to the entire wholesale market because our costs are greater. Our, our ingredients, our processes, you know, we're not willing to compromise that um, like a lot are. But I think that when consumers learn more about brands because we're out in the stores, we're able to talk to them. They're able to find out more about us through situations like this. You know, thank you for introducing me to your audience. Um, they can find brands that resonate with them and then they can find brands that don't and say, hey, I'm going to choose to spend my dollars here and with this brand over this brand. And that's what happens in every single industry. And that's why I really feel like cannabis is no different. The, the roadmap is there of how to win over a customer, make something true and authentic and meaningful and with purpose. And you'll the customers will come. It will resonate with them. And then you just have to live up to those expectations for them. Absolutely. I always, always say, I probably say it too much, a brand is a promise and the ability to consistently deliver on that promise, right? You know, um, doesn't matter if it's a value brand or a luxury brand, as long as you're living up to what you promise um, and people consistently get what they're looking for, that's, that's what makes a great brand. I mean, yes, exactly. Um, well, so that said, let's jump to audience participation number two. Um, so the question is, which, and, and you spoke about um, in a very polite way about MSOs and some of the larger, larger companies, um, which M MSO, which is multi-state operator, announced it would cease operations in Massachusetts by the end of 2023? Is it A, Leaf, B, Cureleaf, C, INSA, or D, C3 Industries? Um, just out of curiosity. And now that I'm seeing this, I, I probably should probably should have put C3 Industries as as the choice number C, but um, <laughs> just so we don't get confused. But anyway, is it A True Leaf, B Cure Leaf, C Insa, or D C3 Industries? And and obviously the premise of this question is that one of these MSOs will be shutting down and leaving the state before the end of the year, which is also um, a sign, you know, because. To a certain degree, we're talking about mom and pop shops, if you will, or smaller, you know, um, as you said earlier, family-owned businesses. And now we're talking about multi-state operators. So if it's affecting the big players, you know, how must it, or not it, rather, it must be affecting the family-owned companies as well. Um, boy, everybody jumped in really fast on that one. Yeah, um, our audience has warmed up. And I also want to call out a comment from James. We said, get used to it. I'm selling pounds of organic craft cannabis for $300 a pound in Oregon, and the retail gram is $3 a gram. No. Thanks for your comment, James. Hang in there. <laughs> wow. That's Whenever I can get the ear of our, um, our, our commission here in Massachusetts, the CCC, as they're known as, I always say, look west. Read the San Francisco newspapers, read the newspapers coming out of Washington and Oregon, um, because that's it's telling it's the roadmap. Right. And unfortunately, every time I say that, there's a little bit of, huh, 
it's there. We we know it's coming. We can prepare. Uh, it's just not happening, unfortunately. Yeah, and and it's tough. We're not we're not really learning from our mistakes. You know, people no. have been through this before. Um, well, before we jump out to the um, to the answer, I just want to shout out to James Kennedy, another dear friend. Thank you for joining us, James. Angela, do you want to take a shot at this? Because you're you're in the state. You probably know the answer to this. I, uh, I am in the state. And uh, yes, the answer is A, true leave. All right, they left the state. Let's go to the answer. And of course it is. They, they closed three re retail locations in June of 2023, and they plan to cease operations by the end of uh, this year. So... Uh, it is, and the source is from NBC, uh, Boston. Uh, we always try to call out our sources because uh, the stats are important and, and where the information comes from. Yeah. Keeve, James, Susan, and Charlene, you all got it right. Congrats. Very interesting. Well, it seems like it's affecting everybody for sure. It, it really isn't just a little touch on that. I, I think that's um, a prime example. You know, obviously there were, were external factors specifically with that one, but I do think it kind of shows that a group, you know, came into Massachusetts, definitely had expectations of doing certain amount of business here based on what they were doing in, in other States and, and not realizing the level of competitiveness that existed here in Massachusetts they didn't, I don't think that they had that in other markets. And it definitely hurt them from the start, even before some other tragic um, occurrences happened for them here in Massachusetts at their facility rather. But I think that was part, I mean, when we're talking about the race to the bottom, I will say when we saw a few of the bigger grows open, they kind of all came online in 2021, you immediately started to see the undercutting happen. We, we hadn't seen it before. And it was these huge grows that just opened. And I think, again, had certain numbers that they were putting projections to and just pumped out so much product that wasn't needed. And that really sparked it immediately here in Massachusetts. Interesting. And you know, they ceased to operate. So maybe I think it shows oversaturation and, you know, over manufacturing and over overgrowing subpar products is not the way to create a brand new industry. And just, just a quick question here. Um, you know, it seems to me that this is all very linear. You know, when, when a state grants a license, they build a facility, the facility then produces cannabis and then releases that cannabis into the market. Is there, is there a miss relative to when the states are are actually you know offering the licenses up you, you know do too many companies come online all at once or or you know are they staggering them so all of a sudden there's there's no supply and then they hit a point where there's a lot of supply you know does does that come into play well for massachusetts we're not a limited license state so there's no cap the the only cap falls under certain like ownership levels and then um retail uh, licenses and stuff like that. But as far as applying, like we still see people put in applications today to open a cultivation. So I don't think that we've, in the very beginning, obviously there wasn't enough product, but for, for the sake, for Massachusetts sake, uh, we have never had a, um, 
a low inventory on cannabis flower material since the market is really opened. People point to quality might be a little bit different. <laughs> yeah. Um, just speaking about of, of over licensed over licensure. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but you see examples of that actually happening. And it sounds like maybe the CCC is slightly more thoughtful than some other um, state actors. Yeah, for sure. And, and hopefully something takes place because it's not that you ever want to close the license. I mean, everyone deserves, this is a brand new industry. Everyone deserves a chance, right? Just because you are first doesn't mean you're the best, doesn't mean you should be there in the end, et cetera. But at the same time, the amount of capital one has to put up to even put in a license, I do get concerned that are we just creating a lot of false hope here in Massachusetts with allowing people to continue um, um, opening up or putting in for licenses that will never come to fruition. And if they do, are, are going to be hard to become profitable. Yeah, interesting. It's a uh, never dull moment. Um, well, um, you know, I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, what, what are the, what are the risks, you know, in, in terms of where we're at from manufacturers all the way through to, um, you know, to, to the dispensaries? I mean, obviously the risk is going out of business, but how, how do, maybe that, maybe the answer to that is so obvious, but <laughs> well, how, at first thought, you know, at first thought, that's what, what came to mind when you had proposed that question. I was like, well, to cease operations, you know, if you kind of keep following the, the idea of keeping up with the Joneses, and in this case, it's cheaper, cheaper. Again, you kind of touched upon it, though, with, with the moving of the debt earlier, right? It's like if prices go down, the customer's winning, yes, but then now you have to sell 2x to make what you were making before. So I think a lot are, are not watching that. So again, the risk then could be quickly, whoa, the lights go out because you can't, um, you know, you can't be in business. I think another issue that that um, is kind of emerging from this this price war is that we are in an unknown state of economy uh, with inflation, continued supply and demand, uh, supply chain issues rather. We have to, we can't lie and say our costs are not going to increase to produce our product in the future, right? Everything is going up, labor is going up, product is going up, et cetera. So I don't know how to keep going. I don't know how the industry can keep going the way it's going, which is going, you know, price compression, price compression, when outside of the cannabis world, everything is going up. And I don't know how we can kind of, you know, not address that. And that's what you're seeing in Massachusetts. We have not seen prices go up once they've gone down. And that's my concern for groups is we need to think about tomorrow because today's prices might not be what tomorrow's, you know, costs are. So I think that that's a huge thing that you, you face, obviously, is, again, follow, 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 and then you can't keep up because you go out of business. But a big thing I think you miss is that you start to lose your brand identity, is your brand identity just price? I mean, that's really only one component of a story. The four P's of marketing, right? We know price is part of it, but that's not everything. And that's what I feel a lot of groups now is that they're just, they're spending millions and millions to create a value brand that is not being built sustainably. And I, it seems like it's going to be a short road for a lot of groups. I want to call out something that James wrote. James is on fire today with the comments. 
Prior to 2012 legalization, data showed two thirds of the nationwide black market cannabis came out of Oregon and Cali. There's no 37 states producing their own cannabis. Meanwhile, Oregon, California, Colorado, Washington have only grown bigger while Oklahoma, Michigan and others have exploded. Um, thank you for your comment. Yeah, that's a whole other topic that we could get into is like what's going on in the illicit market in like California, there's like millions of acres um, still being grown. But again, a topic for another day. And we did promise at the top of the hour that we would try to weave in a little bit of fun uh, into this conversation, which, you know, is a little bit doom and gloom. But hey, let's end on a positive note. Um, Angela, can you share with us a recommendation for a book or a movie or an experience that um, that our audience should know about? Definitely. And before I just want to jump on, because I, I did make the joke yesterday when I was chatting with David, I was like, this is, you know, a, a doom and gloom topic, but it it isn't, it, it isn't because I truly believe, and you know, maybe it's just because this is the future I really want is that those who are getting into cannabis with purpose, those who are getting in to create a craft product, a product that the customer truly needs and will benefit from, we will survive. It is, we are, it's going to be pain. We got to hold on, but I think it's showing proof that when groups have come into Massachusetts and have ceased operations, competitiveness is real and the customers are going towards that. So if you're listening, don't let this shy away from you. Don't, you know, hold your value, create something valuable. But a book I recently read that actually kind of goes along perfectly with this is um, it's called uh, Starts With Why. And it's by Simon... Siak, Siak, I might be pronouncing uh, his last name wrong, but it's all about building a brand, a company from why, but most importantly, keeping that why as the driving force of everything you do. So ask yourself, does this fit our why? Then we're not doing it. Does this fit our why? Then we're not doing it. So you really stay focused on your purpose. And that is something that is, you know, we started this company with purpose. We always say we're building products with purpose. So as reading this book is really resonating with me and it, it's helped me put a lot of things in perspective and uh, especially motivate me during these difficult times when we're dealing with this race to the bottom to say, we have a why and we're going to keep driving behind that why. And that's why I know we're going to be successful. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And, uh, and, now it's so simple, right? You, you know, as long as you could come back to why is your brand meaningful and what truly makes a meaningful brand, um, then that's where you offer value to your customers. It's not about price. It's really about, you know, customer loyalty. It's about consistency and it's about filling the, the needs that you've promised. And that's really what's most important. And I wish, uh, honestly, I wish more uh, cannabis brand owners would would understand that, and I'm sure when you're in the trenches and your competitors are lowering the price price every week, it's difficult uh, to do that. But thank you for thank you for reminding us of uh, you know what's what's your why or what's our why. And I think I think that's good advice in our life and every day is to think about what what is our why and why are we doing the things we're doing. So, um, Angela. You know, this this has been amazing. We thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, I always always joke when this is over, it's the fastest 45 minutes of my week. Um, but uh, it goes quick. You've shared a whole bunch with us, um, really from the trenches and, and really from your heart. And we really appreciate that. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. And it, it went by a lot faster than I anticipated. I was quite nervous uh, in the beginning.
Yeah. It always does. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, I'll repeat myself. That was the fastest 45 minutes of my week. And it always seems to be. Um, we're excited next week. We've got another topic, um, as always. So next Thursday, November 16th, I cannot believe it's November already. Thanksgiving is in two weeks. Um, we'll be chatting with R.W. Navis. He's a California-based executive recruiter, and we'll be chatting about cannabis and employment. And I think this will be super interesting because I, I don't know about you, Adriana, but I always come across people that say, how did you get into the industry? So, um, you know, that's the first question. And then the people that have been in the industry for a really long time, they're saying, how do we move around in the industry? How do we make a living in the industry? Um, you know, so uh, I think RW uh, will have a lot of information um, for us next week and, and we'll be chatting about that. So I'm looking forward to chatting about cannabis and employment next week. Um, also, I'd just like to remind everybody about our EDU courses. We put a link up earlier um, and uh, we've gotten rave reviews. We have two courses up now, Creating a Meaningful Cannabis Brand, which relates to what we just spoke about earlier uh, in some ways, and the 14 Cannabis Brand Archetypes. And for those that are listening, if you use the code BBEDU25, uh, there's a 25% discount. The courses are pretty cool. They're about an hour each or so, um, and we've gotten some really interesting feedback from them. Um, also, I'd like to uh, thank again, uh, and I'm grateful to our sponsor, High Hopes. Again, a creative agency in the cannabis industry. They've been around for 10 years. They know exactly what we're up against and some of the things we've just chatted about. Um, so please check them out at um, ivegothigherhopes.com. And, um, and then lastly, uh, just to jump in here and mention that for those of you that can't join us live every week, we also have this up on our podcast. So um, please check it out on Amazon Music. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, and CastBox, where you can take us with you and listen to us without having to stare at um, stare at us uh, <laughs> while we chat. So uh, thank you again. We look forward to seeing everybody next week. Adriana, any final thoughts? Well, I just want to say that if you choose to listen in instead of watch, that's also a great option because you can do multitasking stuff. But sadly, you won't be able to guess for our audience participation quizzes, which in my opinion, are the most fun part. They are, indeed. Um, well, with that, come join us, come participate. If you can't make it live, check us out on LinkedIn um, for our uh, recordings. And we also have our YouTube channel, uh, Branding Bud Live, and you'll be able to see us there and check us out and uh, hear what we have to say, and more importantly, what our guests have to say. But uh, we're, we're thrilled that everybody joins us. We're thrilled to create a community. We're thrilled to you know, bring some information every week uh, to the industry Those for those that are, have been in it for a while or for those that are just coming into it. Either way, we thank everybody um, and we look forward to seeing everybody next week. So thanks again for joining us. Until next week, catch you then. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.